The first reading is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first letter, chapter 15, reading from verses 1 to 11. And it's on the screen behind me or on page 1155 of the Bibles that you should find in front of you. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. The second reading is taken from Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 to 10, and can be found on page 1048 in your um, church Bibles. That's Luke 15, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. 
So, Hannah and Phil, a, a recap. Listen to this. I want to remind you of the gospel that was preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved, if you hold firmly to the word preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared alive to Peter and the 12, and then to 500 others, and then to St. Paul. What a great statement of your faith. Christ died so that our sins could be forgiven, and he rose from the dead to give us life beyond death. This is amazingly good news. By this good news, we have been saved, if we hold firm to it. But sadly, some of us ignore it. We get distracted by what seems to us more attractive things, or we get hurt and bitter, or we feel able to look after ourselves, fine, thank you very much, we don't need God, or we feel that nobody loves us anyway, certainly not God. Or again, we, got, we get confused, how could a God who, or somehow we never even hear this good news in the first place? Well, is that it then? Have we blown it? Are we disqualified? Emphatically, no. Absolutely not. These two simple stories of Jesus that we've just heard tell you how far God is willing to go in order to share with you his good news. God loves you. He forgives you. He wants to be reconciled to you. If you feel lost, you don't need to stay that way. Jesus has come looking for you, and he knows exactly where you are. I grew up on a sheep farm. True or false? True. Thank you very much. Well done. You've been listening to previous sermons. So it's not possible for me to drive or walk past a sheep that's got its head stuck in, an, in, a, uh, in a wire fence. I was climbing Cataridris last year with my son, and uh, I delayed us considerably, much to certain annoyance, by insisting on releasing a sheep that I saw with its head stuck in a fence. Well, perhaps the farmer would have found it later on his rounds, but what if he had come too late? And that was just for somebody else's sheep. Had it been my son with his head stuck in a fence, Nothing else would have mattered. Hannah and Phil are already discovering that they will do more for Joel and Caleb than for anybody else, probably even than for each other. And you, you, each of you, are God's child, and God loves you even more. However much you've turned your back on him, however much you've strayed, However stuck you are right now, God will go to infinite lengths to find you and to bring you safely home. And that 
is why he sent Jesus. And that is why Jesus sends us, his disciples. Our job is to scour the hills for his lost sheep, to search the floor for his lost coin. In days of yore, long ago, when I was out looking for my father's lost sheep, many of them, late at night in the rain, I might well have felt a tad grumpy at how stupid sheep are and how wet and cold the night was. But there's no use taking it out on the sheep. They would only run off in a panic. I had to be slow and patient in my pursuit, gentle as I handled them. They needed to sense that I cared so they could trust me to, and let me lead them safely home. And it's just the same when we're out looking for Jesus' lost sheep. We need to do it with Jesus' kindness and his gentleness, praying and blessing, respecting and persuading. Letting them see through us how much Jesus cares for them. And if we really love them, as Jesus loves them, we will go to the same lengths as Jesus, even to the ends of the world, as Jesus has done, to find even one person who has lost their way, scanning the horizon and sweeping the floor. But sometimes, trying to be like Jesus, trying to be kind like him, we're tempted to be less than honest. It seems unkind to suggest that not all is well with the world, with their world. If any of you do appraisals, you might well be tempted to ignore the shortcomings, the imperfections of your team members, especially if you know that they're going to bite your head off if you dare to suggest as much. And no doctor wants to be the bearer of bad news. And yet, if we don't share the truth, then the other person remains trapped. Things can't get any better, and they may well get worse. Paul is clear in our first reading that we need to hold firm to the truth about Jesus and ourselves. Otherwise, our faith is futile, and it won't save us at all. If the guy doing the MOT on my car doesn't tell me that my car brakes are faulty, because he wants to save me a couple of hundred pounds, I won't think he's being kind. I think he's being criminally negligent. It's the same with our eternal destiny. Refusing to tell people that they are turning their back on eternal life in Jesus and towards eternal death without him isn't being kind. It's being profoundly and enduringly unkind. Well, Joel and Caleb haven't pulled any punches in what they've been saying to us this morning by their baptism. Like them, we need to turn away from darkness and selfishness and eternal death towards love and light and eternal life in Jesus. And yet we still have to find the ways to say that, those things, Way, in ways that show Jesus' loving kindness and patience. 
Over the long history of the church, Christians have discovered to their surprise that shouting at people and humiliating them and hurting them is both not at all like Jesus and is also, it turns out, counterproductive. But they've also discovered that it is possible to be both truthful and loving as we share Jesus' good news. Well, from this point on, Hannah and Phil are going to spend effort and pain and imagination trying to explain, as we've already seen today, that what Joel and Caleb have in mind isn't necessarily the best or indeed the only possible option. Joel and Caleb aren't going to make that easy for them, but it is possible if you care and pray enough If you think and try hard enough, you will discover ways of showing your love without being dishonest, of explaining difficult truths while showing how much you care. That's what Hannah and Phil are going to have to do every day and many nights, and that's what we too will have to do through this year of mission as we know Jesus and make him know. Shall we pray? (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lengths that you were prepared to go to rescue us. And we thank you for the privilege of being sent with that good news to those we know and those we don't yet know. Lord, would you give us the grace and the courage to share your good news with both compassion and with truth. That others may hear of you through us and be drawn to you and your love. Amen.